Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here this evening to discuss the 1972 movie Horror Express. 50, um, 50 years ago. Yes. Yes. That's nearly how long it took me to watch this film. <laughs> um, we are, This is the first of our listener request month, uh, of which there are two movies. This is the first chosen by Pinball Bobby. Um, there will be spoilers. There will be swearing. And regardless of what I think of this film, I love you very much, Bobby. I'd just like to put that out there. Nice and I'd like to say I love you even more. Oh, well, there you go. There will be fights aplenty coming up, I think. <laughs> Bobby has been pressing for some time for us to cover Horror Express. So mm. clearly the gods were in his favour. Yes. And uh, when that, the, it got picked. The, so. the alien gods, perhaps. Yes, I think you'll appreciate this, Bobby, when I say that we choo-choo choose you. <laughs> okay, so as this is your first viewing of it, Chris, what did you make of Horror Express? Well, I think I may have given a, a little hint there, but for me, right, you know, so I, I think I heard you mention a little bit of what we were to expect. So I think Adam said something like a monkey alien on a train he probably said it better than that, but that's kind of what was left in my head. It was, it was something yeah, think, like that. And, and I so think, I thought... I think it was like an, an alien yeti on a train. Oh, could have been, yeah. Peter Cushion and Christopher right. Lee. And then Telly Savalas turns up. Right, so no, I don't know Telly Savalas, oh, but I've got to say, <laughs> I, I definitely like a lot of these actors, right? But so, yeah, so I'm thinking uh, it's, it's, it's roughly 50 years ago. I didn't know it was exactly 50 years ago, roughly that how good are they going to make something that's a bit sci-fi, a bit horror on a train? Uh, it's got Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. They could probably play golf for an hour and I'd be happy watching them. I'm not a big fan yeah. of sport. No, no dissing golf anyone, but I just don't watch much sport. Right. Anyway. So I thought we'll it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be fine. I can watch that. It doesn't matter. And I was very pleasantly surprised. It's got a little bit of everything. It's, uh, it's definitely got a bit of comedy in there. It's got some, Hmm. I think decent enough gore for the time. Um, it's got a fascinating cast of characters and the way they play off each other and a bit of rivalry between Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. But, you know, then they get on and they're, they're the, the British gentlemen trying to be noble till the end and getting whacked in the stomach for the, their <laughs> efforts. Like, it's just, it covers everything. Can I, just, can I just say at that point, Chris, you've just reminded me, how oddly shocking is that? What, when they get whacked? When they don't get like, yeah. Chris McLean gets yeah. one butt of a gun to the stomach oh. and then Pete Cushing gets one in the <sighs> fucking small of the back. I did think, if I didn't know beforehand, I won't be messing with any Cossacks. <laughs> and and that, they, um, the captain, what's his name? Kaz, Kazan. I mean, he is a character. Well... Yeah, well, Telly Savalis is a character. I think that's it. He's really right, okay. Telly Savalis turns up. I'm not sure if Captain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I've got to say, we need to watch something else with him in it then. Oh well, there's there's plenty I can recommend. Definitely, Excellent. we'll get into that. So, so I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, this is a definite great I'm fun. I'm so glad you. I'm so glad you enjoyed this, Chris. Because, yeah, I read. Uh, I'll um. I, can't remember the name 
but uh, of the author. But I read mm. there's a series of books called the Midnight Movie Monographs. Okay. And I read they've done one on this, and I read that uh, like in prep for this. So yeah. it was like I bought it. I've actually now finally got to read it, and it's brilliant. I like yeah. the fact because I read it. It's the first book I've read in probably almost like <laughs> half a half a year. Yeah. It's yeah, and um, but he has this sort of one thing that he talks about in it is that it's kind of this weird parallel that it's like Hammer the same year Hammer do. Um, to the devil a daughter, which will eventually, will probably eventually see. We will, but, yeah. but it's but it's considered to be the last Hammer horror film, or mm, like okay. the last of the original run. Yeah, because uh, I know they've done other stuff and Woman in Black and things like that. But yeah, so that's like so the same year that Hammer finish doing horror, you get this where you've got the two Hammer stars, mm. and but then. Like in terms of the horror genre, you start getting a lot of the stuff coming in from Europe and Italy, a lot of which is actually older, but is finally getting a release. And so people are seeing these things and stuff like that. And also just horror in general goes a bit grimy and a bit more gory and just a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that, I suppose. And it's like a weird, like interesting sort of transition point. Mm. But... Yeah, no, I'm, uh, and I think to be honest, it's that element, that sort of seventies element, more like Deathline, or yeah, say, yeah. I think that's probably Lee's least favorite aspect of. of yeah, the and in film, fact, in fact, I remember when we watched Deathline, Lee was like, "I like this a lot more now we've talked about it." I'm pretty sure that was Deathline. I think yeah. Deathline, you just need to never take Deathline seriously. Yeah, I, I reckon if we watch this together, you'd get a lot more from it. But, but look, let, let's give you a chance. Go on. I was going to say, funny enough, so this film I've tried to watch the first time. So in the last 10 years, I've tried twice to watch it. I've got about <laughs> 15, 20 minutes in and just been bored shitless. Um, and then last year, I finally managed to make it all the way through because I watched it with Lady Jennifer mm. and we just took the piss out of it all the way through. So I got right to the end. Today... I'm not exaggerating. It took me five hours to watch this film. <laughs> wow. I watched, I watched 20 minutes and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't bath the dog yesterday. Right, that's it. I'm going to go out and bath the dog. So I paused it. I went outside and I bathed the dog. <laughs> then I came in. I put it back on for 15 minutes. Then I stopped it. I had a bit of lunch. I took the bottles to the bottle bank. I went to the furthest bottle bank I could find so I could drive, drive aimlessly about. I was like, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to finish this. I got maybe another 20 minutes in and I was like, oh, screw this. I'm taking the dog for a walk now. So I stopped it and I took the dog for a walk. It took me five goes. I watched this film in five segments. Well, no um, one can doubt your tenacity, Lee. That, that is. It, honestly, it got to the point where I was like, how pissed off are they going to be if I said, I'm happy to talk about this film, but I only watched half of it and I could not finish. But I thought, no, we have listeners they have requested this movie, so I shall stick it out. But God, I hated every minute. So of look, it. I'm I'm trying to think. The first twenty minutes, not a lot happens as far as I can remember, but you get hints at what's going on. I liked straight away. I liked a bit of rivalry between Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee there, yeah. and and yeah, you see in the characters, you get an idea about what's going on. 
And then I think it, have- somehow it just kept building for me all the way through yeah, to the I end. You'd have to agree, Lee, that it's Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee are particularly fucking good in this. I, I well, thought they are they astonishing. Were, yeah. They yeah. are really, really good. And but also their sort of playing off each other is really yeah. right. You know, it's they're like really the roles that they're playing their perfect roles. For, so Peter Cushing is being absolutely sweet and a yeah. total darling. Yeah. Christopher yeah. Lee is being an absolute pompous belly. Yeah, the entire absolutely. film. Um, but also, yeah. though, I, but I love the fact. Although Peter Cushing is an absolute darling, he's also a bit like he's like when he's like, well, I do want to see her, and that's it was in that crate, so I'll bribe the. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and when he bribes his way onto the train. Yeah, and, well, and also, also when he's asked if he's a corruption, when he's asked if he's a doctor as well, when he's like, "Well, I finished my meal first. Like, yes. is, is that how things used to be? I kind of don't think that would happen now. I do it's, like, I did like the line when they were saying, you know, we need to work out who the monster is, and he said, "Well, how do I know? It's neither of you." And he said, "We're British. We're British. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> monster. <laughs> we're British. We're... It's, I mean, yeah, and that's kind of what they're offering." In, mm. in a yeah. lovely way, yeah. But, I mean, I, I know that I know we want to sort of like I know we want to crack through this and everything, but I've really got to tell you the sort of tale of Lee and Cushing with this film. Mm. So, for, so Christopher Lee was the first one to come on board with it, um, and he suggested Peter Cushing to play Doctor Wells, uh. and because. Uh, January 1971, Peter Cushing lost his wife. And as we've discussed a mm. lot of times on the show, that was absolutely devastating to him. He regularly, sort of, all the way for the rest of his life, whenever he was interviewed, he would just describe himself as, well, I'm poopling along until I get to die so I can see my wife again. Yeah. And, and he's like, you know, he is utterly bereft. And Christopher Lee's like, oh, well, you know, I want to keep, I'll keep him working because he thought that was the best method to keep him from further into Mm. depression, you know. So, and this was filmed in December of 19... Sorry, uh, January 71 was when he lost his wife. This was filmed in uh, in December 71. So, in a way, it was like coming up to his first Christmas without the very... You know, and I think, yeah, Christopher Lee was like, well, if he's working, he'll be thinking about that, and, Mm. you know, he'll take his... You know, hopefully help him through it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then Pete Cushing then did try to pull out and he rang the, because obviously this is like a Spanish-English co-production mm-hmm. and um, so it's mainly Spanish crew and then you've got the two British stars essentially but um, the um, yeah, so Pete Cushing spoke to the agent for the British end of it and said, try to pull out. And the bloke said, yeah, you can do that, but you've got to, you've still got to make the journey and tell the producer to his face there. Because he thought, oh, you know, that would probably... Put that him would, off. Yeah. It would put him off, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so and the producer, Bernard Golden, um, no one told him this was what was happening. Mm. So Peter Cushing, he went, he went to collect Peter Cushing from the airport just expecting Peter Cushing's here to start work. And then Peter Cushing explained to him that he didn't want to, um, you know, he didn't want to appear. Mm. So, um, so Gordon then spoke to Christopher Lee and like, asked him to sort of step in. 
and organised a meal for the three of them to resolve the issue or hopefully encourage Peter Cushion to stay. And this ended up being like a, a monologue of Christopher Lee reminiscing over the uh, previous films that him and Peter Cushion had worked mm. on, the other two were sort of sitting there, not really talking, just eating, eating, eating the meal. But apparently it sort of, the next day, Peter Cushion arrived on set, ready to begin. And as you can imagine, after some profuse apologies for causing any trouble, um, he didn't mention it again. Mm. But, and this is the key bit that gets me, and it's it, this I thought was just like, because again, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushion, like you say, they're both fulfilling what you feel they are in real life. Yeah. And yeah. But this is just so lovely. So Peter Cushion was still deeply distressed and began to suffer night terrors. Mm. So Christopher Lee took to sleeping in his bed with him. Oh. So, I mean, so he would awaken in unfamiliar, because he was waking up in unfamiliar surroundings. So I thought, well, if, he, if I'm there, he knows where he is. And it's just such a... That is a sweet lovely, story. Yeah, it's so sweet. They are just, you know, I think something about Peter Cushing brings out the absolute heart <laughs> of Christopher <laughs> Lee. It's just, like, really lovely. But also, I cannot help but picture them as Eric and Ernie. <laughs> Both sat there in pajamas, like Morecambe and Wise, and just, um, and just, you know, police car goes past. He's not going to sell many ice creams going at that speed. <laughs> but I just, yeah, it was just such a lovely thing that I had to sort of, like, it was of all the sort of background stuff on the film, it was like the most sort of like just really lovely. Yeah. You know, I just thought, like, fantastic. But has that what, been enough I mean to turn Lee? No, no, definitely not. But I mean, but watching it again, I can definitely see why Bobby loves it. Because I think I said it when uh, when we covered this on the what you've been watching, and I watched it. This is just the thing on a train. It's exactly yeah. the same as the thing. Yeah, but it's badly shot with a terrible score that doesn't go with the film. It's you all wash like your mouth out. It's still shaky cam. It's oh yeah, it's just appalling. It's badly paced. Um, I'll, I'll have you. I'll have you know that the composer worked on Columbo. <laughs> he well, knows how to do a seventies. <laughs> that's 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 why I add that extra little mystery element to it. <laughs> see, but this is see. This is what I was thinking earlier as well. It feels like it should have been a mystery, except there was no mystery because we knew who the alien was in at all times. Yeah, but that's... So it should have been like a bit like the thing where you're like, well, who mm -hmm. is it? Yeah, because you get that ambiguity. Uh, we don't yeah. know any more than. Yeah, but with this, you know. Yeah, and no, it's that's like, very well, true, there's, actually. There's yeah. no mystery to it. There's no, like, and yeah, and it just, yeah. So oh, I, I can imagine, right, sometimes that would bother me, but for some reason with this, it didn't. I felt like it was still interesting to see it play out with all of them and who who's going to trust who and... It was nice. To, it's nice to be in that omniscient position. Mm, yeah, yeah. I suppose, but also in a weird way because I was thinking it's a bit like Agatha Christie's The Thing. <laughs> yeah, but again, with Agatha Christie, you don't know who's done it. Mm. Yeah. But then, oddly enough, with Columbo, you do. So that's the again. That's the that's connection. It. Yeah. It's um. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this because we'll talk about it anyway. Uh, boy, we've fucking got to. Oh, and another thing, I never knew this. The two writers of this wrote Psychomania, which is another one that Lee's not keen on, but I know that Bobby fucking is because it's dog mental. 
we are cannot, going to watch that. Cannot Mania. avoid Psycho Mania. I'll, I'll gladly watch it and yeah, yeah and that, to shreds. But and again, that soundtrack. But yeah, um, but yeah, they uh, the the guy who did the music, a guy called John Cacarvus, um, he bumped into Telly Savalas in London and was just sort of like they got talking and. Uh, Telly Savalas was like, right, you're a composer. Come and have a listen to these recordings because Telly Savalas did have a, a singing career as well. Mm. It was kind of like he was kind of like Bruce Willis in the seventies. <laughs> in the old okay. bloke, yeah. also sang, but you know, but was mainly turning up in action and tough roles and stuff like that. You know, but he, um, he does look the part for it. Yeah, but he so he played this. He played uh, John Cacavas's, um like his solo stuff that he was recording. He was like, what do you think of it? Well, not much. And he was like, well, if you if you can do better, could you record me? And he was like, yeah, if you get me a gig on, like in the film industry, like if you get me on some projects, yeah. We'll, and that's how they cut the deal. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason he's the composer on this is because, um, yeah. And then, but this guy then went on to do, like I said, he did like loads, of, mostly television, but he also did Kojak, which was obviously Telly Savalas's like most famous role, like yeah. the cop, uh, it was like a cop show from the 70s, Chris. Yeah, well, so I'd heard of it, I have never seen one, yeah, but oh. yeah, it's just it's just mm. Captain Kazan walking around in shades, sucking a lollipop, <laughs> saying, Who loves you, baby? I think I might he have to check turned, one of those out. What I love <laughs> is he just turns up and out pricks Christopher <laughs> Lee. Like Christopher <laughs> Lee is such an obnoxious <laughs> belly, and then all of a sudden it's like. Yeah, but not as much not as now. this massive wanker has just turned up. <laughs> it is. It's like, oh, we've been putting... Because I think it's also lovely because you're kind of getting to this point where they've kind of muddled through. Mm. And they're like, they're getting to the point where it's like, right, I've... And clearly Christopher Lee has worked out, well, if I turn the lights off, we'll punch the guy whose eyes are glowing red. Yeah. So, like, but he's just... They're sort of kind of just about to do that. And, and like I say, up until this point, Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. And Chris, have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? No. Right. Because at, at the very end of Blazing Saddles, the Mel Brooks film, um, the, the, a fight that's taking place in Blazing Saddles crashes through into another set of another <laughs> film. As, of like a musical. And okay. Like the, the the director of the music was going, stop, stop, stop! Like, how dare you come onto my set? And one of the cowboys just <laughs> comes up to him, and just goes, "Piss on you! I work for Mel Brooks," and then punches him. And it's kind of what happens in this. Mm. Is this like Telly Savalas was in another film? And yeah. And he just turned up and thought, "Oh, I'm going to take care of business in this film for." The 16 minutes before I get killed. I could definitely <laughs> see how it would look like that if, yeah, if you've seen him playing this kind of role elsewhere. It's not only that, but it's also, I looked, it's dead on an hour. Mm. Yeah, I, I noticed that as it's well. It's an hour when he's on the up. hour that it's like the first time you see Telly Savalas and it's just sort of. <laughs> and he is funny he turns up and starts slagging all these rich people off and calling them peasants and it's like I've just seen you sleeping on the floor next to a fire in a shed with a prostitute don't start coming in here and acting the big I, I am with all I, these rich people I get the impression that he makes his own reality he does not care <laughs> what the real one is it's whatever he says it is I'm now thinking of like having Captain Kazan 
just as that, like a sort of metafictional yeah. character who <laughs> creates his own realities and therefore just blips through into other people's films. <laughs> and just like, you know, you just be halfway through four weddings and a funeral and they're just doing like, you know, like the wedding speech or whatever like that. And then Kazan turns in, beats a few people up, steals all their vodka, and then fucks yeah. off. And it's just... Well, it wasn't just him. It was Rasputin. Why was Rasputin in this film? What was that all about? That was definitely Rasputin. I know they called him something it's... else. Oh, no. It is purely that is the character that he is there to be. <laughs> if, if they could have called him Rasputin, I think it's probably too... There might be people who could sue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, is, it is sort of... Um, yeah, he is a very Rasputin-like figure. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, because it's a lot of Italian and Spanish films, because they were going to be dubbed for various markets, like the, they, to make money, they had to do an English dub, so they just didn't record the sound and then dub the um, dialogue and sound effects afterwards. Hmm. Um, but for this, Telly Savalas did his own voice and Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing did their own voices. So although they weren't recorded, they did go and record their own dubbing. Um, but the guy who plays, who dubs for the Rasputin is a guy called Robert Wrighty, who basically was indistinct foreign voice for years. Mm. He was just, he just overdubbed anyone who was basically non-Caucasian in any sort of films or whatever like that. But, and you'll know him because... He's very much, he's like about eight different fucking Bond villains for a start. <laughs> and it's, it's, that is what you say, Mr. Bond. <laughs> it's that voice. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and suddenly, but again, when I'm watching this, I'm like, yeah, I can hear it. I can really hear that coming through. But yeah, no, Rasputin is an interesting choice. And I also like the fact that, I mean, this is how deeply I was watching it, is I was like, so. Is the priest following him because although he's the man of God, this character, is, as far as he is concerned, is Satan. And so therefore, Satan is the only thing that has ever proved to him of supernature that would imply that there is a God. Mm-hmm. And that just takes him to work. And then I was like, no, I think I might be overthinking Horror Express. Uh, poss- it's because <laughs> there's no plot, so you've got loads of time to Make think because there's this all going on. I said, like, I, um, well, the thing is, I got to the end and I've written it down with a big ring around it. Why was the alien killing everybody? It was never explained what it was uh, doing. Well, like what, wait, said, wait, wait, look, look, here's, in fact, this is where we could have the argument of, I might like to try and understand the alien. And you'd be like, no, just kill it. It's killing people, kill it, right? But I, I would say it's a little bit like, you know, we kill things without necessarily seeing that it's important. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't be like, I'm on a train, I've inhabited this body, I would like to go without being noticed. Well, so what well, I'm going to no, do well, is boil lots of people. Yeah, but wait, but it, but it didn't no start reason. with a sort of a modern intellect, did it? It essentially, because you, oh, if, you t- if you take a human back, back when it was frozen, humans were useless, practically. It's, the only reason it we're good is because a, we, have, we read books. And, yeah, so we would be primitive but, if we had no knowledge. But then knowledge. once he had killed yeah, one, the guy on the well, platform, it would have been well, maybe, like... Well, yeah, maybe he was, not, he was not fully appreciating the complexities but of a train mean, filled with... A th- it does mean that you get a Siberian snow, alien snow yeti picking a lock. 
Yeah. Which is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah well, that's the bit he learned. There you go. But, but no, but I love the fact that that is supposedly literally all he's learned from that thing. Yeah. Like, well, that's, well, that's why he was so good. Yeah. He never thought about anything ever <laughs> else. He was, he, was yeah. an, he was like a sort of top level athlete of lock, not lock thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and just uh, like, I get it's a horror film. I guess it's the 70s, there is some shaky science going on in the 70s in oh, film yeah. in general. But the idea that everything that the eye has seen is saved mm. in the liquid, and if you look in the eye, you can see mm. everything it's ever yeah, seen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it's no, ridiculous. It's a human eye. Right. Like, I know it's got an alien inhabit in that body. Mm. But, but it was but quite a nice... Like, it, it made no sense, but it was quite a nice... <laughs> It's it's a weirdly enough, it's actually Vehicle. based on a myth that has been isn't it, isn't around it home, homeopathy. It, no, it was, a, it was around well, it, 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 liquid as there a was this theory because loads of people kept trying to do it. Um, like loads of sort of doctors and uh, coroners and stuff were trying to photograph people's eyes because yeah, they yeah, were well, convinced well, well, look, that the final image would be recorded on the... Not, yeah. I mean, not like so we, we had that with the Mark Hamill <laughs> one that Lee hated as well. Yeah, yeah. see, shaky yeah. science. Yeah. No, I mean, I, no also, normally I don't like that, but I completely gave that a free ride in this. Also, shake, if you want real shaky science, the bumps and creases of your brain are not... The bumps yes, and creases of your brain are not a result yeah. of learning. Yeah, I, yeah, I've made a note of that as well. Don't you yeah. worry. <laughs> But that's why I felt like this was, it was fun enough that I didn't care too much about that. It was like, no, this, this is not, I don't, I don't need to take this one too seriously. It's that's, a fun alien that's, that's, train romp and, with a bit I mean, of horror and a bit of gore. In, I mean, in terms of the budget as well, mm. for what it is, you know, it's clearly very low budget, but you've got some actually quite good. Uh, I like the alien eye effects. Yeah, yeah the red eyes look, looks really like, good. They work better when they're on the actor who they obviously originally did them for, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just reused the same it's ones like, on yeah. Rasputin, and it's a bit, yeah. But, um, but also, like, you get that shot at the start of the, of the train. After that, um, this is all a model. All the train, yes, all the train yeah, shot in this yeah. is the model of that first mm -hmm. shot, and it was a model left over from the director's previous film, a film <laughs> called. Um, Pancho Villa, but uh, which had Tilly Savalas in it, but yeah, he he just reused that, and they had they had a corridor and a carriage, and they just had to redress it. Wow! For, for different parts of the train, mm. so and but they had blow ups of train carriages on rollers, so at the end of each one, they would sort of swing and look like oh. you could see beyond on the train. It's like really quite interesting little false perspective thing they do. This was my other thing that I made a note on. Sorry, just to pick more holes in it. At the end where they said, Moscow have said, can we change the uh, points? And they said, but it'll kill everyone. Who was in Moscow? How did they know what was going on the train? Why did they want to kill everybody? Like, how did, if, if they just wanted the, the alien dead, but nobody in Moscow knew the alien was on the train. So, so what was all that about? I assumed it was when Christopher Lee goes in and finds the telegraph was not sent. I assume that Christopher Lee then telegraphs because mm. they sort of just leave that yeah. and then nothing happens. 
Yeah, I assumed he called for the cops because they got on at the next station. Yeah, so I assumed somebody yeah. had sent the message. But why yeah. that message was then forwarded to Moscow, who then said, kill everyone on the train, is just a mystery yeah, it, that will never be answered. Well, it's a mystery because Chris, we're never quite sure. Christopher Lee is clearly funded by the Russian government. You know, that, that expedition is on their money. Mm. Yeah. So were they always, is it like Wayne Yutani? Yeah. Were they always trying to find like some alien, you know, but uh, to use right, as a weapon. I'm just going to give you, probably because he's the only time he's going to appear, I will give you a breakdown on Mr. Uh, Aristotle Savales, or Telly Savales, um, who was born to Greek immigrant parents in New York. He was 37 before he start, had an on screen role. Wow. He sort of just drifted into it. He'd sort of been a news, he'd sort of done loads of stuff and been a news vendor, a radio presenter, a lifeguard. During this time, he tried to save a man who had unfortunately drowned while the man's children stood by crying and um, telling their dad to wake up. So he um, that obviously stuck with him. So he became like a real campaigner on water safety and obviously made sure well, his yeah. kids could swim. Um, yeah, and he basically covered for a friend who couldn't make an audition and got the part. And that's how he ended up acting. Nice. Um, mm. He sort of like, he, so he, um, but he, at one point, I think they were doing the, he was Pontius Pilate in The Greatest Story Ever Told, which is when he first shaved his head hmm. and then just stuck with it. I think it was like, I'm going fucking bold. But it, it works. And yeah. it, it's, it works. It's the, um, what's the name? Patrick Stewart. You know. Yeah. So you stay bold, yeah. You, you just don't look any different. Yeah. You get older, is But yeah, so he's in the Dirty Dozen. He's Blofeld in Honor of Majesty's Secret Service, making him the only American to play the part and the first American Bond villain. Um, he's then portrayed the role of Le, 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 Lieutenant Theo Koljak in the Marcus Nelson murders, which was a TV movie that then spun off to Koljak for five seasons. Mm -hmm. um, he also had a music career, as we mentioned earlier. He had a UK number one with If cover. Yeah. Um, while in, in the late 70s, whilst working a great deal in Europe, he provided narration for three UK travelogue shorts. Um, mm. Tony Sabellis looks at Portsmouth, looks at Aberdeen, and looks at Birmingham. I've seen looks at Birmingham. Um, <laughs> died the day after his 72nd birthday. So I'm assuming that was a real party. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just stuff to check him out in. He's in Cape Fear that he doesn't on a Majesty Secret Service. Film, I think you'd love Lee. He's in a film called The Assassination Bureau. Him, Oliver Reed and Diana Rigg. And it's basically like a steampunk adventure across Europe where um, Oliver Reed's the head of a assassin, uh, assassination bureau and then decides to get his team to kill him. Nice. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, really great film. He's El Sleazo Tough in the Muppet movie. Uh, Capricorn One, a town called Bastard, um, and just loads of stuff. Look him up. But yeah, and um, I've just looked up If, and the top comment is this is the most outrageous song ever. It's pure 70s brilliance. It's very much in the have you heard, um, uh, what's his name, uh, William Shatner stuff? No. Yes. You, I'm going to have to look that up as well. No. Yeah. William Shatner, is it? it's very much in that sort of vein. I can't think what his big one was, but sorry, that sounds wrong. It was a David Bowie one, wasn't it? 
Oh, he did Common People quite. Yeah, that was in the nineties though. But uh, yeah, he did. Um, no, it was Rocket Man. Yes, I think it mm. was. Yeah, and he does it as a spoken word piece. Yeah, it's and yeah, it's dire. Oh, yeah, fantastically entertaining. Yeah, very much so. Well, right. So let's wrap it up, gentlemen. Um, thanks very much for your recommendation, Bobby. Uh, lots to talk about there on the positives and negatives. Absolutely, so, a lot of positives. Positives, Bobby. Yeah. Don't listen to it. <laughs> it's always more entertaining when we don't agree, anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so we will be back in a fortnight's time and we'll be covering our next movie, which is The Pit and the Pendulum, sent mm. to us by Dave. Uh, and then we'll be doing uh, what we've been watching. And then I believe we've got one more episode before 150. So we might have Ooh. something planned for that. But we shall have to see. Yes. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. And good night. Good night. Good night. And go and listen to Bobby's podcast, Not For Everyone. Ninja Dust. <laughs>